0: This is Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. It's Monday, May 14th. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley, Pete Sampson, on assignment, so to speak, in Seattle, uh, Monday night. If you are anywhere near Bellevue Brewing Company on 130th Avenue in Seattle, the Notre Dame Club of Greater Seattle is hosting Pete Sampson tonight. The reception's at 6 o'clock uh, West Coast time, and 7 o'clock Pete Sampson will speak. So if you're in the area, go check him out. For today, it's O'Malley and Priester talking about, we don't have a lot of pertinent information. No bad news on the recruiting front after the Kalen-Gurban decommitment. The
1: 2031 ACC schedule with Clemson on Labor Day night does not interest me yet, but Can't it was wait. apparently released.
0: The, the ACC, as most people know, ACC released their um, ACC schedules with Notre Dame through 2037, which I I can't think of anything more uninteresting than than that, but hey, they came up with it. They released it. A few people are talking about it, but between now and then, Notre Dame will probably have three athletic directors and four head football coaches, so it's not real pertinent right now. I don't know that there's anything particularly interesting on there, but uh, we don't even know whether these schools will still be in the ACC in 2037. Um but there we are. So you you know. So plan uh, well in advance for that.
1: I enjoy looking a couple years ahead for trip situations, and as you mentioned, I think next year is at yeah. The ones that, right? Because those teams seem they could be. I assume Florida State's going to be good next year coming to Notre Dame football <laughs> stadium. But I don't know what's going to happen.
0: they probably Florida State will probably be good in twenty thirty seven as well.
1: You know, they're the only one we're, we're sure of, and USC. After its second round of probation, will be back again. So they'll be, be great again.
0: One of the things I had an opportunity to speak with uh, former Notre safety and All Pro Minnesota Viking safety Harrison Smith last week, and and uh, Harrison's such a great guy. I mean, there isn't too many. He he was like, "Well, hey man, pick, call me anytime you want." I'm like, I don't take that for granted because there aren't too many All Pro safeties that are saying. Call me anytime you want, and especially since he was at Winter Park in Eden, Eden Prairie, uh, in what they call Phase Two of their uh, off-season May stuff with the Vikings and throughout the NFL, and he found time to, to to speak with me, and I appreciated that. And I thought, although he was a bit reluctant to talk X's and O's, you know, I'm trying to. I, I know some of our subscribers want a little bit more technical stuff, and I tried to get in into that with him. Um, and he was really, I don't know if it was reluctant as much as it was. There are so many scenarios pre-snap, depending upon the opponent's formation, it's very difficult for him to say, okay, these are my one or two keys immediately because everything changes. But I just thought it was interesting that, you know, he talked about being a full-time job and that you have to study film on a full-time basis. And when you come into, like, when he was a... a a freshman in Notre Dame, all that stuff is forward to him. Now, I'm sure there are high school programs out there that are already well into film study of their opponents, but certainly not every high school kid.
1: No, I do think it's easier now, though, just because the conversation we had with, I guess it was with Elston last spring, is they ended up practice, and he said "Now's where the work begins for the linebackers, which is who he was coaching at the time. Everything from practice is going to be uploaded to their individual iPads. They don't have to come watch film with us. They have it all available to them. It's up to them how much time they're actually gonna put into it. I found that interesting. I think it's more important that you do go well, obviously you do wanna go watch film with the allotted amount of time with someone at the facility, but you have it available to you all the time and it probably takes a couple years in, or maybe it makes you maybe you have to be a great team for a young guy to really buy in, like, hey, I gotta I gotta watch this film, I have to get better this way, and I think I mean, I think by junior and senior year, they all realize it, but it's not that easy to... No, you know, it watch.
0: isn't. And, and one of the things that, that Harrison said was that you you have to learn how to watch film. Otherwise, you're wasting a lot you're of watching, time. you watching a football game. Right, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Even though you're a football player and you understand the nuances, you don't fully understand them. So it, it, the assistant coaches are very important in teaching them how to watch film. I, he didn't mention one guy in particular that taught him, but he did... You know, when when I prepared for the interview, it's like, holy crap, he had three coordinators. I mean, I knew that, but when you when you look in the overlap, he had he had um, you know he had Corwin Brown, and then tanuta came in, and then and then Bob Diaco. He did get a kick out of. I mentioned Tenuta, and how much he hated dealing with the media and hated, or so it appeared, me in particular, and he said the guys on the team used to get a real kick out of. Sure. actually watching him interact with the media they said they used to they used to crack up about you know the way Tanuda dealt with them but and somebody on our message board brought this up that are you surprised to hear that Harrison Smith liked playing for Tanuda? no not at all because that that was generally uh, you know the opinion shared by a lot of guys that that played that and we also heard that even with Brian Van Gorder, yeah. and I'm sure Niles Morgan isn't one that appreciated playing for Van Gorder, but there were a lot of guys that did like playing.
1: James for James Longwell did. He made an interesting point. He said, "I uh, he's my only coordinator I've ever had on defense because he only played defense at Notre Dame. So he was, you know, he was kind of hurt by the change. But team player, and he goes on. I think, look, you can know your stuff. Brian Van Gorder and John Tenuta know so much there's about defense football. A, no doubt. Yeah, it just it, sometimes it doesn't translate to the school you're you're coaching with and the players you're coaching and the scheme and and the whole thing. But there's there's no one could ever impugn their knowledge. Of no, what doing.
0: absolutely not, Joe Schmidt. Joe Schmidt. I mean, he always said he liked playing for Van Gorder. It was easier for him, and that just tells you how smart Joe Schmidt was. That that came. That was not difficult. Van Gorder's defense was not difficult for Joe Schmidt, which is really really hard to believe because we've heard basically nothing but the opposite of that.
1: He probably liked playing next to Jalen Smith too. He did. He that makes makes that that
0: definitely helps. And Joe Schmidt got on the field playing for Van Gorder, and so that. That certainly uh, influences his, his opinion about that. But one of the other topics we wanted to discuss was, and, and this is a pet peeve of mine, because when you start looking at the preseason top 25s, even if Notre was loaded and have it, had everybody coming back, and they do have the majority of their team coming back, no one is going to rate a 4 eight team right. from last year as a preseason top 25. And I think that that's, that's kind of a bias within... You know pre- preseason top twenty-five because you're going to start with the teams that had good records last year, and I think that there are certainly occasions, especially in college football, where you have to look at the six and six and seven and five and even four and eight teams that have everybody coming back because those are the teams that are going to make the greatest improvement. Yeah,
1: there'll be a, certainly at least a handful of them that are in the postseason top twenty-five that had no business. It didn't seem to be the preseason top twenty-five. I thought you were going to say your pet peeve is. Talking about Notre Dame being a top twenty-five team because you have to know the other top twenty-five teams. Well, that and too, that is certainly. certainly a huge part of it. But at this week, for the <laughs> sake of the discussion, it could be: are they at the level of a top twenty-five team? Because last year, certainly, I think August. Someone asked me, "Where do you have Notre Dame ranked?" I was like, "You know, coming into camp, I had them eighteen to twenty, and I've starting to buy in, and I think they'll be in that twelve yeah. to fifteen range." The only reason you would look at the roster and not have them, like, fringe top 25 is because of what happened last year. So, how much do you suspend belief of what happened last year as a kind of an outlier, an aberration? No one looks at them and thinks they're a top 10 team, but... Would you think of them as a top 25 to 30 team on the roster with new coaches? I, I, and I, yeah, I yeah, would. I would, I would,
0: especially knowing what they have offensively and how good we think they they can be. Now, of course, we're going to have to talk about the other side of the football and where it starts is defensive line, and we have great concerns there. So, I mean, that to me, that's the, limiting, the most limiting factor of all is specifically looking at the interior defensive line and having a difficult time saying, okay, that's a team that's going to win nine or ten games, which... I mean, what gets you in the top 25? Nine, right? nine wins, right? I mean, nine them. wins. Are, there, are, there will be a few eight and four teams that are, yeah. that are in the top 25. Nine and three
1: Notre Dame would be top 25 at the end of the yeah. regular season.
0: Yeah. So, you know, we'll see about that. But I but I do think that, you know, I take top 25s with a grain of salt because nobody is going to really look at the teams that were uh, middle of the road and, and, a, and to a large extent middle of the road because they were very young and now everybody is back. I, I don't know that that necessarily... Applies in because they shouldn't have been a four and eighteen last year, right?
1: And I think you mentioned the other side of the ball. I just think the defensive line at this point, from what we've seen, precludes contention, not being a top twenty-five contention to win team for or anything that is significant. significant. Yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, I, it doesn't mean you. it precludes them from nine and three. And hey, you're going into the November, you're into November with two losses. Can you can you right. really ride this out and have a great finish? Or are you going to have the requisite eight and four that type of thing? I don't. I think they're good enough to. They're good enough to get, yeah, there's no one in September you can't beat because only of the right. defensive line, right, right. at but, this point. Yeah,
0: I, I would think, although, again, physical we teams. We can find out in, You're playing yeah, two. Right, you're playing physical teams throughout September, and so, uh, you know, that defensive front, or, I mean, even the cohesion of the offensive line, which we assume will be better because now you have four returning starters. Um, you know, I think those those are certainly factors that that have to be uh, taken into consideration.
1: But it's a good question by Jack who put it in there. Are they a top twenty five team? Because I think you think four and eight, you just assume well they're not going to be ranked there. But that's that's not what we should operate through.
0: If they're two and zero, they're going to be ranked yes well, in yeah, the top twenty five, right? Especially, right. Definitely. With so the I Bullen mean, it, of Georgia. Yeah, I, I I don't put much stock <laughs> in preseason twenty fives, but they it quickly. Takes shape uh, once you start getting into uh, into September. So, um, well, let's uh, let's end segment one here, and we'll come back. We got a bunch of questions and a lot of food for thought in segment two when we hit burning up the boards. Segment two, burning up the boards on Irish Illustrated Insider. And we start with a question from nineteen eighty-eight champs. Can you remember covering a game? And this, uh, this was 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 he the one that brought that's this up? Board, on, yeah. I'm sorry. Can you remember covering a game where you really did not enjoy it? Seems even in if the game stinks, you're getting paid to cover a football game, and that's a nice bonus. True statement.
1: Yeah, that's. I don't think I did not enjoy all. Uh, there's certainly parts of games where they're bleeding into midnight and you know you have to get it done, but you're still enjoying the game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I did,
0: and, and I think
1: our response to that was, you know,
0: we're not so jaded that we don't enjoy the experience. Night games are rough, right. but we love the lead-up to it yeah, and going the into the game, the and yeah, no doubt about it. But
1: I have a game yeah, there are some that bad comes ones. to mind. Yeah, if you're going to say, if you're rating games, last on the list of, cover, of enjoyable covering was the opener in 2011, South Florida. Two weather delays We're in the press box the whole time. I mean, it looked like the team met for the first time in the parking lot before the game to come up with a game plan <laughs> for it. They decided on who the punt return would be by drawing straws, and they're dropping the ball left and right, and it was a bad game. There's breakdowns on the sideline of epic proportions. They're evacuating the stadium twice. There's too many... Sports writers in a press box sitting around. T.J. Jones yeah. is getting screamed at. Yeah, that was That's on, the purple face on, game on, right? on the day where they uh, honored his father, who passed previously that <laughs> summer. That was kind of rough. So that was a bad look um, all the way through. You knew the sea. I mean, not that the season was over, but it wasn't what you thought. They had a sense of confidence that I think somehow permeated the media, where we thought they'd finish four and zero. Yeah, I guess we should have known when you have a quarterback controversy, you shouldn't have that. Much confidence yeah, I didn't. A team, I didn't
0: think of that one because it was the first game of the season, and so that's uh, we could deal that's, with yeah. that. And yeah. as we said, if that's the seventh game of last year, and you're been. in Notre Dame <laughs> Stadium for 14 hours,
1: that would directly answer the question: Do you not look forward to covering something? That would have <laughs> been the only. That'd be the only time you wouldn't look forward to covering something that game in the middle of last year.
0: Well, I had a game, and I don't remember which one it was. Loose Emoji would because he was sitting next to me where I was puking all night before a Navy home game. And I was just absolutely trying to survive that day and night. Uh, it was pretty difficult. Any you game were that... doing the
1: Cal Ripken keep the streak alive for that one. Oh yeah,
0: absolutely. Uh, <laughs> any game that Notre Dame played against a Pete Carroll coach team <laughs> was bad. Was a thirty point, was a, a thirty point plus loss. And you know, interestingly, I mean, when I look at the bowl games, and I've gone to twenty five straight now. Um, Forty one to nine loss in the Fiesta Bowl to Oregon State. That was awful. That
1: was hard to watch from Pete Atlanta. mentioned
0: Pete mentioned the Gator Bowl against NC State, the twenty eight to six loss. Because they had no chance to win they really with did the injury not, too. With the injury yeah. to the quarterback. Uh insight bowl thirty eight twenty one, Oregon State. Tyrone Willingham isn't there. Kent Bear's the interim head coach. I
1: have a story for you from that game. Yeah. I was I lived in Atlanta, I was flying back that night. I was stuck in O'Hare uh, with a blizzard, watching the game at O'Hare, and it is the second time in my life I have thrown down a little bit of money against <sighs> the Irish because it was oh. so clear Yeah, that well, there good was call. no shot. That was the first time I lost. Bob Davies' last game. I think they'd show up. Purdue, the game that got moved from uh, yeah. 9-11. And they did yeah, they show they up that up day. Yeah. They but did no, show the, up uh, that The that lame was... duck Kent Bear game was a pretty easy call. Yeah,
0: You know, the... the uh the 4124 Sugar Bowl loss to LSU where they never really it was pretty it was very obvious early on that they weren't didn't have enough to compete
1: but these are all I fun I guess JaMarcus Russell That's and That's fun that events going in though. Oh, ab- oh, absolutely. Yeah, a
0: yeah. week in New Orleans, yeah, it was great. And so
1: bad games are different. I think a bad game that people are going to laugh I flew from Atlanta for two thousand six, Quindus Samarja, U C L A, the one of the better endings of the stadium. That was fifty nine minutes of awful. That was a Horrible. that was
0: you were I held my breath for fifty nine minutes because you had kept expecting the offense to do something and they were not doing anything and then all of a sudden the ball was in the hands of Jeff Samarja and he looked like an antelope running through the UCLA yeah. defense. That and stadium was shaking. Yeah. It was just terrible. All of a sudden everything prior. was good yeah. again. Yeah. But boy, you're right, fifty nine minutes of Bad football. So we all have our uh, we all have our uh, stories for various reasons.
1: DIP ninety eight. Who will be this year's Mark Harrell? In other words, a veteran who never saw significant time was predicted to continue that trend but ended up being a multi-game starter.
0: I don't think there is one, and really the only candidate for that would be Hunter Bivin. But it right? doesn't have
1: to be an offensive lineman. I just reread this, kind of. So it could be just a player. Okay. Um, Bivin would be the only guy up front, because he's the veteran, back up. <laughs> uh, I thought of Nick Wisher, because if you get an injury to either Mac or Smythe, they're still going to run two tight ends. I don't
0: think he qualifies, though. I mean, when, when you talk like a Mark Harrell type... Yeah, that's true. He was
1: way down the bottom of the net. Yeah,
0: okay. I... I, I... Look, I think that's a rare exception. I don't think anything like that
1: happens this year. I would, yeah, who else would you... Yeah, because you would have to be a defensive... There's, there's no, vet, You know, the seniors are the worst class. That's the issue. Yeah. The remaining seniors in fifth years, everybody else is a little bit better class because they've had some attrition yeah. along the way. And the seniors that are good are already playing.
0: It's a thought-provoking question. I just don't think that... You know, I mean, the in general, the whole, who will be this year's fill-in-the-blank I, I just don't. I the answer I think many times is there isn't one because it was such an exception to the rule. It
1: usually comes from injury. The, I mean, Mark Harrell came from injury too. or multiple know. injuries, yeah, right? Something like
0: along those lines. You're right.
1: The Wishers probably t- he's played too much. Mark Harrell was yeah. Deep, I think, deep reserve. So that has to be a guy like Trevor Ruland who would be many injuries and you're or, in you're in probably some Tristan trouble. Tristan
0: Hodge who hasn't yeah. emerged yet, but even that doesn't fight quite fit the qualifications of Mark Harrell. But interesting question, Statman seventy two. Uh, with practice time being limited by NCAA rules, time players spend on special teams drills reduces the amount of time they can devote to position drills. Does this serve as a disincentive to be involved in special
1: teams? It doesn't this year with the special teams coordinator and the knowledge that they lost games on special teams last year with regularity. Uh, it Look, it's always been the third phase for Brian Kelly at Notre Dame. I don't know why, because that does, if you're going to play eight close games and you win special teams, you can win six of them instead of losing seven of them. It's the way it goes, but I think with a special teams coordinator and my pretty much pointed question to Brian Kelly, even if you didn't have the chance of a tenth assistant coach, which did not pass, we all thought it was going to, would you have hired a special teams? I didn't even get out coordinator, and he interrupted and said yes. He said the thing he was doing was hiring a special teams yeah. coordinator this year, and you know it too. Too bad it came to it because of how bad it was last year. But they will they will have guys that want to play special teams this year.
0: I, it's been a Brian Kelly problem motivating guys to play special teams now. Not everybody has that. Virginia Tech, for a long, long time, had no problem. It's their culture. So it is their culture. And the other thing is, you know, your path to a spot on a roster in the NFL is many times special teams. That's partly. Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, you would think that you would sell the hell out of that to guys. Because that's, that's an integral part of making an NFL roster.
1: It surprises me every time Kelly says it's like pulling teeth sometimes to get special teams out there. He referenced 2015. It was not. They had good special teams. Matthias Farley was the leader of that special teams. He was not an official captain, but he was the special teams captain. I'm sorry, he was an official captain, but he was the special teams captain, too. He was the guy that made sure everyone was accountable. Maybe that's
0: what it takes is the right personality amongst your personnel for for, for them to feel. You know, I mean, it's easy to motivate fringe players who have no other way of playing other than special teams.
1: Now, caveat to this, we did hear from Pete previously that he kind of heard from someone inside the Goog that they are not thrilled with the current crop of defensive players on special teams. Kind of frustrated they have to use guys on offense. I assume... That doesn't include Chase Claypool, who should always be on special teams unless he becomes an all-American from scrimmage because he's a great special teams player. But if you think back, like Dexter Williams was heavily involved last year, we saw him as a gunner again. Um, I I can't think of another offensive guy you want running down, covering kicks and punts other than those two. But apparently, there's more right now. Yeah. So you could get in the the second pro- secondary problem of having a lot of freshmen out there, which you don't necessarily want. Well, to. and
0: that and that's what I was going to bring up because I do think that they're. I mean, three names in particular come to mind to me that are freshmen that can that would I think would improve just the overall athleticism yeah. and to some extent physicality, and that would be Jordan Genmark keith um, Jeremiah Usu koromoa and Jafar Armstrong. I think those are guys that are good. And There's a fourth one that's not coming to mind. Well, Isaiah
1: Robertson's a guy I think. Oh, uh, well, yeah, Isaiah yeah.
0: Robertson's. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That that's a good fourth. But those are guys that I think can improve some of the physical issues that maybe Brian Prolian found when he arrived here again.
1: And then you need guys that are not ever going to play that dedicate to special teams. You need a guy like... Ashton, Nico Fortita, Nico Fortita, who does it. Then you need guys like Ashton White to do it. Not just to win the job because they're the fourth-string guy, but to win the job because they're good at it. Yeah, Nico Fortita is a name we should have said, along with Claypool, that is great at it. Look, Nick Coleman... We all love Nick Coleman, the person, and rooting for him as the safety. When he got benched at corner last year, he was a very bad special teams player too because he probably wasn't quite as excited about being relegated to special teams from being starting corner. But you can't have guys not excited about special teams because then they look slow. And he's not slow.
0: No, and that's the difference between being average and good and being good and great, and that has to be that that has to come from within from an individual. You
1: can't be all backup corners and safeties and linebackers. Right. It's got to be some guys that you... I know you can't use Niles Morgan. You know, you, you need him. And Greg Martin is a great special teams player, and he's probably too valuable. But, but, I mean, you're playing a great team. Don't you need your best guys out there? Yeah, that's going to be
0: – he's going to be a difficult one to remove from yeah. the equation, and I'm not sure that they will. Uh, M. Selner, if we do not have a significant turnaround this season, 9-3, and 10-2, how likely is it that this recruiting class falls apart? I chuckle because we were faced with this question
1: (laughs) last season.
0: And never, ever, ever again will I say there's, did I say it? There's no way. I think I probably said there's no way that it falls apart. Now, my thinking at that time was it wasn't going to be 4 and 8. It would be 6 and 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 6. But it was 4 and 8 and it fell apart.
1: I think 6 and 6 would cause some defections. Because you can't preach that it's being turned around anymore. I agree. That's the issue. So that that has got to be what you're preaching, too. Because you're off four and eight. I mean, it's human nature. You have to. You have to address it to a seventeen year old kid that could go to Ohio State or Notre Dame and let them know it's getting better.
0: Well, when you're competing with those schools,
1: <laughs> well, no, but you are. You get. You want to get some of those players because they. No, can't get I'm them saying all. Yeah. no. You have to compete yeah. with them. But when you're
0: when it comes down to Notre Dame and Ohio State and you're six and six, you're That's, going. Yeah, you you're going to lose be, him.
1: Then you have to be good. Right. You have to. Or it's got a Pete look Werner.
0: It. I mean, Pete Werner was. Yeah. I really liked Pete Werner. Everybody really liked Pete Werner. That was a significant. Loss and again to Nordim's credit, Brian Kelly, the new staff, the the guys that they got down the stretch j- just forget three star, four star look at them on film. I felt like you had to be impressed with the way they recovered and to Tago Vailoa, getting guys like that down I the like stretch. I like as, as
1: a project, yeah, a-
0: absolutely. Again. They did a great job of salvaging it. But to the original question. And I'm not sure that it takes nine and three, ten and two. I m mean, eight and four probably. You know, look, there's no way of knowing do they keep all of them? It's yeah. an individual choice by each kid that's already verbally committed. So we don't I you use know, you six don't know and exactly six better. because
1: it's bad. Like you can't go six and six and preach we've having this great turnaround. We're going no. to the worst bowl there is hoping to not finish six. Seven and, and five seven. isn't a turnaround either, it, really. No, it's, it's not. It's it but nine and three is for four and eight. Even though you should have had oh, four and eight, nine and three is still yeah. a turnaround. I just I don't think that's the you know, People talk about
0: yeah. I people talk about how often somebody turns around us from last season by four or five games. I agree, it's rare, but I don't think Notre Dame was really a four and eighteen last year. They shouldn't six, have been six and six range. So the way I don't. Playing. Yeah, right. So the turnaround numerically in terms of wins, I don't think is going to be as drastic because. I just never felt like they should have been a four and eighteen
1: last year. You know, there's a there's a college football pool I've been in for about 15 years now that you pick five teams to have the most wins at the end of the year. But the rule is they can only have a certain amount of wins from the year before. So you're always looking for a four and eight, three and nine team on the right, rise. Right. Everybody in this pool, and this is basically a Southern based pool, is going to be picking Notre Dame sure. because they're not your garden variety four and eight team. Sure. But most of the time, those garden variety four and eight teams don't end up being all that good. Right. So it would, you know, it. I just don't. You're right. I, they never should know. We we can rehash it a million times. Well, was seven losses
0: by thirty two points. Yeah. Not that, not that that's justification. Right? Yeah, <laughs> not that that's justification. But reality also is seven losses by thirty two points, which says you're not you're gonna that, lose them all. Again. Yeah, you're not that far away.
1: Oh, good. Not not that far away. Not going to lose them all again. That's that's the rallying and cry right now. Let's <laughs> go, right. go team, go team, go. <laughs> not JTFL. This is a good question. What do you think will be the bread and butter of the offense next season? Power running, pass first, read option what do you say i
0: i think it's a really good question because i, I i'm not i don't know the answer I, I i what i would we i think we would like to say you know power run first but i don't necessarily believe that you can't i can't
1: believe it after this long right you just hope it
0: yeah and and the arrival of chip long of course sheds new light on it but we don't really know we can watch and we have watched Memphis film and what they do but I mean, you talk to Chip Long, and he's not going to coach Memphis the same way he is in Notre Dame with four offensive linemen of their caliber returning. So I think we'd all like to hear, not all, but some of us older dudes would like to hear power run first. Uh, but, look, I'm not so old-fashioned. I don't understand the importance of the read option and then throwing off of that or the importance of throwing more than you used to during the Holtz days. I get, I get that. The game has changed. It's a matchup game. Yeah. Way, way more than it was 20 years ago. So I understand. But I, you want to put them in an order? I actually, I think pass first still is number one. It's <sighs> ruined my ruined my Monday. <laughs> no, you can't you can't
1: do that again. To a, well, he's going to be called a freshman quarterback by Coach Kelly, but he's not a freshman. Quarterback. But when I say but, when, year, I, but anyway.
0: when I say pass first, I don't think it's the same way that they passed pre Chip Long. No, I, I no, think a lot right. of it is more controlled. We've talked about. Throwing to the tight ends, throwing to the running backs—that's going to be more. I'm not saying it's an extension of the running game game (laughs) because that—that's a bunch of that line is generally speaking is a bunch of crap because you're not a. They're they're different. Throwing the football is different than running it even if you throw it to the running back, swinging out. Because your blocking schemes are completely different. Yeah, the
1: read, I think the read option, because run-pass options come off of it for Brandon Wimbush. So if it's the yeah. read option where they run more than they pass... Right, and, about, yeah. and I will always say the words run more than pass because... I'm going to slam the table like you right now. The run <laughs> is the absence of a pass. Sometimes that's a good thing. So I do think the run-pass option... Off the read option.
0: So you don't want to say that it's all their bread and butter like Deshaun Kaiser said last year. No. The, all of it. Identity is, we don't have an oh, identity. the identity, yes. Well, right. that's the same thing. Bread and butter.
1: But this is a great question because you don't get to see enough of it in the spring, which they shouldn't. In the Blue Gold game, show everybody what they're going to be doing. This is on TV. That's kind of a stupid yeah. thing to do. But I do think that his run pass options, Chip Long's I mean, with Brandon Wimbush are tough to stop. But they're not if you don't establish a running game. So there's got to be a running game this is a successful offense, the running game with run-pass options, if it's unsuccessful, pass
0: first. Let me just add.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They're not successful here when they pass first. I
0: I do, yeah. Chip Long, but Chip Long knows he has. Josh Adams, two other good running backs, and a veteran offensive line. A quarterback that can run. Josh Adams, did you see that tweet that I put out the other day? Only three running backs in the history of Notre Dame have had more rushing yards after freshman, sophomore then Josh Adams, and that's Darius Walker, and then one, two on the all-time rushing Denson list, which is Tinket. Denson and Pinkett. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I've got to believe that Chip Long is, he knows he has Josh Adams, and a healthy Josh Adams is really, really good. So, somewhere in here, I, you know, I don't know that I can, we can't say what the bread and butter is, but I do think that all, of the, all three of these areas will be touched upon and emphasized, and I think can create a very nice diverse offense and for them this you made fall. a good point
1: look pass the passing game is absolutely crucial to notre dame success if they don't with brian kelly and chip long and all the wide receivers they have exactly. great but it's really difficult to stop it when you can run the ball first cpu 15 i realize we were coming off a rough season but with the new respected defensive staff and the lack of corners in the last class there were zero why are we having difficulty attracting top prospects the current board has an awful lot of kids with mid-major offer lists
0: that's true. Um, as P pointed out, only Julian Love was verbally committed to Notre Dame at this stage of the recruiting process last year. You didn't have Vaughn. You didn't have Troy Pride. It is still very early. You are correct in saying that there are a lot of mid-major type offer guys out there right now. Um, but that will change. And and the net they're, that they're going to cast is is going to be, be much wider. I also think that when you look at the the uh, years of eligibility of Pride Vaughn Crawford Love Watkins has two Watkins has two yeah. and those four yeah. guys have three. Yeah. Now, do do guys that consider Ohio State care about that? No, they they collect a whole bunch of DBs. But of course, at Ohio State you can start one year and be a first round draft choice. So it's it's very very different. But let, I, I think I think you do have to be a little bit patient with corners. I think the Notre Dame will definitely get their corners. Before all is said and done, as we look at it nine months before the signing day, I'm not sure that you should believe all the indicators right now. It will change.
1: In good health, Notre Dame's five corners should be one of the highlights of the team this year. In good health means Sean Crawford, first of all. We have to bring him up because he's been hurt twice. Yeah. And then just luck for the rest of the guys. Does that help at all? Does a good Notre Dame team with outstanding corner play and a new defensive coordinator help the coaching staff on the recruiting trail in... November, December, and January. Look at how we played. Look at how our corners played. These guys are so good. that, And you know the message is always, these guys are so good. They're not going to be around for their whole ability. Right. <laughs> right, obviously right, right. They might right. all leave now. We need you right, right. away. Yeah, but it's, I mean, that's, you, you should preach the message. Yeah, although, be there. although can you
0: envision any of those five leaving early no, right now? I mean, I, I don't it. know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Good question. Um, but I do think that as time goes on, This is a good recruiting staff. They've worked their asses off in May. There's no there's no doubt about it. That the the Dame assistant coach's presence on the recruiting trail is has been prominent. They're working very hard. I think they'll get it done at cornerback.
1: Last question comes from Irish Bob. I know what two and three at the end of September would mean. They do have five games with Miami, Ohio. What would four and one record or a three and two record mean at the end of September?
0: Wow, really big difference between four and one and, and three and two. Yeah. Really, really big difference. If you're four and one, you're feeling good about things. If you're three and two, you feel like you're right back where you've been in many previous seasons, don't you? Yeah,
1: yeah. Four and one is it's a world of difference. Well, For it goes, team, it goes big without
0: big. saying that anything worse than three and two. Yeah, is that's that, what he mentioned. Two and, they're I mean, they're, ru- they're running Brian Kelly out of town. Two and again.
1: three would be with what they would have coming up would be awful situation because no one would care. About oh, November. All right, come fans, on. Now. I say no, one. fans wouldn't care about November if you're two and three and you have at North Carolina, USC, and NC State, because whatever you come out of that from two and three, no one's going to play you. have November. then you have to
0: win all of them. But yeah. come on now. You have Temple in Miami of Ohio, and Chuck Martin will have
1: I'm ready, his but, best
0: and yeah. most experienced Miami of Ohio team in year four for him. I mentioned this on the message board. I went down and, and visited with Chuck Martin and spent virtually. An entire day with Chuck Martin three years ago. It's
1: transcription of hell. <laughs> yeah, I, but yeah,
0: because he speaks very fast. But I want to. I haven't talked to him yet. But I want to go back and 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 visit him again. He'll probably be less inclined to talk to me now because he's playing Notre Dame and uh, have much less time now that he's firmly entrenched there. But my point is, of these first five, Temple and Miami of Ohio are on that schedule. Those better be two Ws.
1: Right, like Nevada and Duke and then, had to be last year. Right,
0: and then you need to win two out of three of Georgia, at home, at BC, and at, Michigan, at State. Michigan State. That could be could be tough. Difficult. You got to win two of the three. That's yeah.
1: and not be upset. I, look, they probably won't get upset by Temple in the opener, or I think it's upset by Temple in the opener. Miami of Ohio. We don't have to continue talking about what it matters because yeah, it won't matter. You could go four if you yeah. go
0: four and one and lose in Miami of Ohio. It's as it's as bad as being.
1: So four Please. and one means contention. The Notre Dame fan base is back <laughs> on board. Uh, you're going to North Carolina for, a, you know, it's a true road game of the ACC, which hasn't treated them well. But you're you're a contending team. You're in the top twenty, four and one, right? Yes. And then your huge game, if you're going to be a real contender, is USC at home. So that's a fun season, four and one going into October. I think that's the most. That's the realistic best case scenario. Obviously, you can be five and zero oh with who you're playing, but the realistic best case is four and one. And
0: right. four and one with three true road games still to go, <laughs> which <Yeah>. is. I still have to remind me. And I and, I'm, and I'm, I I I pounded my fist on the table last year about NC State's defensive line, and we we warned everybody ahead of time, although it was in a monsoon, yeah. so you know. But NC State's defensive line is almost undoubtedly going to be the best defensive line Notre Dame faces this year. It's going to be better than it was last year. Even if it's a dry day in Raleigh last year, they were going to struggle that day offensively. Plus we didn't really get to see it. Was it is it Ryan Finley? Is that yeah. their quarterback's yeah. name? We never got to see what Ryan Finley was really all about. He's pretty good. Uh he played poorly in the in the slop along with everybody else. But uh, I think Nordame's going to beat Georgia as I sit here right now.
1: Yeah, I, I... I just lean that way. I don't know why, but, but I, I haven't
0: studied all the opponents, and and we don't know how Nordheim's going to play against Temple that I think they're first lose week one and of
1: the two September road games. If I, as we sit here right now, I agree. I just say it that way. I'm not, you know, people I don't know why. How could they lose to those teams? Well, it does. I mean, how do you lose because 'cause 'cause you're BC on the road makes and always it? Lose. Yeah,
0: and BC makes it, and this is at BC, not Fenway Park this time. Uh, have you been there you, you've been of, there that is a yeah. yeah that's a difficult place to play yes it, it is
1: last time i was there was 17 nothing 2008 right with the, uh, charlie weiss that was offense out there yeah I mean, that was that, that was, was ugly. something to watch yeah there was that a, was bad they used to uh, projectile devices there it was a bj Raji who was picking up offensive linemen to throw in the backfield and knock down the- <laughs> <laughs> but four and one means contention three and two i think you're a little concerned um doesn't mean you can't have a good year because you know you, you run the table or lose one more game at three and two you had a really good year but that with with what happened last year three and two this year has a concerned fan base and you don't need that around the home.
0: I think we would standing. all take four and one right now, wouldn't we?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. they take. We'll
0: take one. it. We have no control over it. Okay, that's it for uh, for today on Monday, May fifteenth. Contrary to what I said at the start of the show, calling it May 14th. But we will be back. We expect to have a recruiting uh, uh, podcast later this week. And we will be back for Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com on Monday, May 22nd.